0: Hi, this is Curtis, your host of the Mind Over Movie podcast. On today's episode, we welcome a first-time guest, Justin Hughes. Today, we are going to be discussing the death of the video rental store and cult classic slasher sleepaway camp. So sit back, relax, grab a snack while we do the talking. This is going to be such an exciting day, I hope you enjoy it. Welcome to another episode of the Mind Over Movie Podcast. Today's guest, Justin Hughes, he's a he's a child from the 80s. I'm very excited to, to see what he has to offer for this podcast, especially or, or specifically for today's topics. Uh, he's a movie fan, horror lover. Of course, I have to throw in 311 aficionado. Justin, welcome. It's great to have you.
1: Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: Any introductions for yourself? Anything that you want everybody to know about Justin?
1: You know, no. I'm just a. I'm a simple man. Um, I like movies. Like a lot of people, I like movies. So um, I think you and I bonded over that. Like pretty much right off the bat, as soon as we met, which is, which was pretty cool. Um, that's about it, really. I mean, there's not there's not a whole lot. I mean, do you want
0: to? Tell people how we know each other or even became acquainted. So I guess rewind, rewind back to 2014, I think. Yep. Um, I interviewed to work with, well, I have my uh, bachelor's degree in audio production. Um, and through college, I took a lot of classes for like uh, recording bands and just doing a lot of studio work and uh a lot of specialty classes for video editing, and my least favorite class always was live audio visuals. <laughs> um, <laughs> and out of college, I ended up applying and working at PSAV, uh, well, I guess formerly known as PSAV, uh, which is a presentation services company that um, very large. I, I guess you be be a better um, can give a better background with PSAV. Um, but Justin, you were the director uh at, at our little property that you and I both came to love. And uh we had a lot of good times. Yeah,
1: we did. We definitely did. It was uh it was a it was good times because it was it was just the two of us in the office and always just riffing off each other and hanging out and having fun while while serving uh while serving the guests in the uh live event industry. So it was uh it was a good. It was a
0: good run. In excess in the office,
1: <laughs> lots of in excess <laughs> in the office, lots of air guitar, lots of air drumming, lots of walking around when we didn't have much to do. But uh, times have changed.
0: Those were the good days. Now I'm lucky to leave the house. <laughs> but you mentioned movies. You love movies, movie lover. One of the themes that I'm. Uh, Going to continue to do, or would like to continue to do, um, with first-time guests is talk about your first memorable theater-going experience.
1: One of the first memorable experiences I have going to the theater, and it seems like it should have been a little bit earlier in my life. I feel like we didn't we didn't go to movies all the time, um, you know. And usually, what I did it's, it was with some friends, or sometimes with my mom. One of the earliest memories that I have um, that had the biggest effect on me um, was when my mom, for some reason, took me to see Terminator Two.
0: Who sent you? You did. Thirty-five years from
1: now, and it sort of it sort of blew me away because at that time that movie was just special effects wise, like no one had seen anything like it. It was it was everything was so new. I don't even think I had seen all of the first one, so I didn't even fully understand it. So, but just the special effects and the action sequences and, um, all that was like super had a, had a big effect on me. It was, it, that was pretty awesome.
0: Didn't you live in LA at the time? Uh, or had no, you
1: moved? I, yeah, I had already, I had already moved. So gosh, that was, didn't I mean, you was move when like, you were like two? Yeah, I did. I was originally in Los Angeles, originally born in Los Angeles. And, um, Moved to Arizona, Tucson, Arizona. It's my hometown. When I was about two, and uh, but there was a lot of scenes in Terminator Two that were filmed in uh, my hometown of the San Fernando Valley area of Los Angeles. So my mom was always like, "Oh, look at that! That's that's all around Roscoe Street." And oh, I know where that is. And like, so it was like cool to me to see like this big Hollywood blockbuster uh, being filmed kind of in and around uh, where I used to live. So. That was, a, that was one of my first really cool memories.
0: So you moved to Tucson to escape the Night Stalker. Was that the reason? Yes, exactly. Just <laughs> got out of there
1: just in time.
0: <laughs> no, it's cool that you bring up Terminator 2. I remember when we were still working together, I, I think that was around the time I had just kind of mentioned, because I'm not very big into sci-fi. There's definitely certain sci-fi movies that I really like the Alien franchise, Interstellar, I know I've mentioned, uh, but also Total Recall. So I'm definitely open-minded to it, Um, and I remember telling you that I had not seen the Terminator movies. I actually got Destiny, well, I I bought them, and I got Destiny to watch them with me. So I remember thinking of you the majority of the time while watching Terminator 2, which I think is the best one, but I still haven't seen all of them. So would you say Terminator 2 ranks in your top five favorite movies? Uh, no. I mean, it might crack. It, it probably is cracking the top 25 for sure. But So what titles are in Justin's top five favorite movies of all time?
1: Well, you know me really well, and you know how difficult it is for me to uh, make decisions about pretty much anything, so putting my top five ranking my top five movies is like really really hard for me um because i could have a top five and then tomorrow like three of them could be replaced (laughs) so (laughs) i don't know why i'm like that but um thinking about it recently in preparation for this um so number five i would have to say and I know that you might not agree with this because I think we sparred a little bit with this movie, but La La Land is Hmm. probably my fifth. Um, I just really, I just thought it was awesome. I've never, I've never been like a musical guy. Um, Any story or movie about Los Angeles, I'm always a sucker for. Um, Thought it was tragic and beautiful and the choreography and the music, it was it was all just so awesome. Plus Gosling is just one of my favorites.
0: You know, really quick, before before you give the number four, and I'm, I hate to interrupt, but it's funny because I just recently, after recording the Letterboxd episode, I went on to my Letterboxd just to make some updates in, in my biography and kind of list some of my favorite directors and actors and actresses and writers and just kind of, I guess, update things. Uh, La La Land makes my top 10. Oh, really? I love La La Land. Nice. Yeah. Okay. That's right. Cause <laughs> not top five, but it makes top 10. Number four.
1: Number four. My number four favorite movie probably is Saving Private Ryan for a lot of ways. I don't know where that ranks with you, but, um,
0: not even or- my top 100. Wow.
1: Really? I'm really <laughs> surprised to hear that. Um, I don't know, I don't know what it is about it. Um, I, I did see that one in the theater also, and I saw that in the theater in Los Angeles. Um, so actually that's 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 another big like going to the theater uh, memory that I have. Um, I don't feel like I have tons, but that was definitely one of them. Um, just overall, just just a great movie, just a great war movie. Moving on to number three, a uh, little movie that you and I, enjoy a lot. I feel like is a uh, coherence.
0: Ooh. Why is that not even in my top 10? Maybe I need to rethink my top 10 again. You've inspired me. It's, it's, it's one of those
1: movies. And for people who don't know, um, it's just a movie that I I heard about randomly through, through someone that I know and, um, it's, it's Amazon prime, I think it's on out of all places And I think when I watched it, I told you to watch it. And Mm -hmm. it's just one of those movies that I can't think of a movie where you have to watch it 10 times at least in order to maybe fully grasp it. And I've probably only watched it twice. And it is the, the way that it's put together and the plot and everything about it. It's so fascinating. I think you can speak to it also.
0: I I feel like Coherence almost deserves its own full episode, but I've seen it maybe 10 times, I'd say, maybe even a little bit more. That's one of those movies where if if I'm with somebody, uh, for example, the last time I watched this, we were at the beach house, and Chase and I were going to have a movie night last night at the beach house, and we were kind of flipping through, trying to decide what we were going to watch, and I saw Coherence. I'm like, oh, that's the one. That has to be the one. And on the 10th viewing, roughly, of course, 10th viewing, I was still noticing things that I didn't notice the first nine go-arounds.
1: Yeah, the attention to detail in that movie is insane. The, I, I don't know how they wrote it. I, I think, like, I remember you and me, those first, you know, that first day that you watched it, you and I just spent half of our workday just Googling theories <laughs> about mm-hmm. coherence and just reading all the different yeah. ones online, because there's there's a lot.
0: Yeah, and, and I think one of the things that lends itself to be so fascinating about that movie is the fact that the entire thing is improv.
1: Oh, yeah, that's the whole, yeah, exactly. And that's what I tell everyone that I tell, um, everyone that I recommend that movie to, They, I, I always say that, I always mention that, that it was completely improv And n- not only that, but in the way that, that the actors who are just no name actors, some of them first time actors, I think, um, didn't read the script. They didn't get the script until it was handed to them. And it was just kind of like a basic, um, sort of like a really loose script to go off of. And that was all planned by the writer and director. And so that that is part of what makes, I mean, al- almost all of what makes the movie so amazing too, is that these actors had no idea what was going to happen next. Um, But yeah,
0: you're right. It totally deserves its own episode. Wow. That, that is a solid number three slot. And and I'm almost like smacking my own hand because I just revisited my top 10 and I, for some reason, didn't even put coherence in there. But uh, honestly, for me, it would be top five. So good on you for having coherence in your, your uh, number three slot. And shame on you for not, Austin Brishton, If you're
1: listening, I challenge you to watch Coherence. <laughs> I'm challenging someone to watch a movie. It's silly, but yeah, no. If it's a it's a great movie. If if for anyone who hasn't seen it, it's
0: fantastic. Yeah, we can have a we we can have a episode. The three of us talk in Coherence, and Austin can be the uh, first time viewer, hot off the press. Uh, thoughts on coherence which would be really interesting since you and I have had years and years to marinate on the experience uh, his his take would be interesting I have to watch it but 20 uh, more times yeah but taking it can be done. and then I I will watch it at least one more time and I'll still <laughs> catch something that I didn't notice the first time I did,
1: good on you for watching that 10 times or so because that's man that's I've only seen it twice and it's like... It's so mind blowing, but yeah, I mean, I can imagine after a tenth time that you're still noticing things that you never did before. It's that kind of movie.
0: Yep. Yeah, I guarantee my next viewing something new. Awesome. Well, what's your number two? What beats coherence? <sighs> what beat? What beats
1: coherence? Um, you know what beats coherence is my number two. Back to the Future. I mean, it's it, it's just so classic. I don't think that I've seen. I think that's the movie I've seen the most in my life. Um it's on TV Three a lot. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> it's it was on TV so much during my childhood also that it was just like it was like always on TBS and WGN for some reason. Um, but it's it's one of those movies where every single time, even if it's just on somewhere on TV, even if you're not at home or it's on someone else's TV or at somebody's house you can't not watch it for some strange reason it just sucks you in and no matter how many times you've watched it um it's just it's just a classic um
0: yeah I, for, I feel like it's kind of like comfort food as far as a movie like a movie comfort food it's a good way to put it.
1: I feel like it's everyone knows everyone knows about it like I mean everyone's seen it it's just one of those movies where, and like for some strange reason, my favorite movie character of all time, best performance ever, if someone had, had to ask me,
0: Biff, I guess. <laughs>
1: oh, I that's what I was going to say. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 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 I mean, I don't even know that guy's name. I, I don't think I've ever seen him in any other movie, but Biff. I mean, all three movies, one, two, and three, Just the he, he's just the most memorable character
0: of any movie I think ever. I agree, and Biff is played by Thomas Wilson. Ah, uh, never uh, heard Thomas of him. Thomas Wilson.
1: I, I knew. Well, I mean, I knew I knew his name, but I just, yeah,
0: I. You would know him from other films like Back to the Future Two and Back to the Future Three. <laughs> no, I'm, he, he is in those, but uh, I'm just joking. He was in some other uh, well-known movies like The Informant and um, Rio, The Heat. Oh, he was in a, a slasher, eighty slasher, April Fool's Day. He was in April Fool's Day? Yeah. I need to see that one, I, too. I know that's in your library. so. Yep. That's one I've actually never seen. But, yeah, I do own that one. Shame Good on us. pick. Shame on us. A solid list. Guys. I know. Yes. Solid, solid top four so far. Well, two through five. I am very curious. What beats Coherence? What beats Back to the Future? What's your number one? Number one movie
1: uh, for me is Fight Club. Again, this is one of my uh, theater-going experiences uh, watching Fight Club. And in 1999, one of my friends, one of my best friends had seen it, um, and then it was like on a you know, middle of the week or something, and he's like, dude, you've gotta see fight club and i'm like okay so we went like he went for a second time and i you know went with him and we saw it and like it just blew my 19 year old mind completely away um you know i didn't i didn't even think i knew anything about it being a book or a novel um but uh the performances are really good just the the whole i mean i even read the book afterwards and i was just like because i'm a movie guy not a book guy and everyone's like oh the book's so much better you know just like most movies and nope it's not (laughs) the movie is better than the book i feel like um yeah i just i i don't know what it is something about that movie that has just stuck with me forever um Of course, maybe just my naive teenage mind, I didn't see like the weird, you know, the twist at the end or anything like that. Um, I don't know. Just overall, it's just like the perfect, it's just like the ultimate package in a movie for me. Um, I don't know. I don't know if you and I talked a whole lot about Fight Club, but uh, it's my favorite
0: movie, man. I feel like I knew that, but it's almost like I forgot. Like when you said it, I was like, oh yeah, that definitely rings a bell. It's funny though because I read the 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 novelization or I guess short story first um, kind of similar to memento uh, Christopher Nolan's memento. I read that short story first before seeing memento and I found the short I found memento's short story to be a lot better than the movie. Um, however, Fight Club was the opposite. you know I, I actually disagree with a lot of the people that you mentioned in saying that. I think that the movie was uh, far superior to the short story, so. Oh, well, so solid!
1: Oh yeah. Honorable honorable mention goes to American History X. Um, that always fluctuates in my top five. I feel like, like if someone asks me what my favorite movie is, I might say American History X because, um, it's just one of my favorites, and I know that that was one that I recommended to you. Everything about it is, was. i i just love that movie um the half black and white um that it's filmed in is is really cool um the performances obviously are amazing edward norton and i mean like i don't i don't know if uh i don't know if it gets any better his physique for that was like amazing edward furlong is really good you've got beverly d'angelo um who i really hadn't seen in probably anything else besides the vacation movies. And, you know, she was really, really good in that. A um, lot of really good performances in that. I don't know how uh, Edward Norton didn't win that Oscar on that.
0: Well, Justin, I, I appreciate uh, you going over your top five and uh, even got an honorable honorable mention. That was That was great. So thank you so much. And I guess I'm going to throw a question at you that I didn't even warn you about, so we'll see. We'll see what happens with it, if you can remember. But um, the next topic at hand, specifically Blockbuster for me, I know that it's not the only video rental store. Um, I do have memories. I have one other memory of a video store not Blockbuster, but um, for me... Blockbuster was just really the essence of my my youth from a um, movie standpoint. Um, and a lot of people who grew up in the 90s and early 2000s can can likely agree with me. Um, but Justin, what I'm curious about, thinking about video rental stores and maybe for you blockbuster, what's the first movie that you remember renting from a blockbuster? Oh wow, um,
1: yeah, and like you, Blockbuster was definitely a staple of of my youth. Um, definitely more so in the '90s, of course, because um, that's when it was kind of at its at its peak, of course. But um, gosh, that is that is really really tough um, because I went to Blockbuster so much. Um, and usually you went to Blockbuster to get, and I would always get, you know, the new release section was where it was at, you know? Like you couldn't, you you have to get there at a certain time. And like they've, they had like, you know, a hundred copies of Terminator 2 and they'd all be out or a hundred copies of Titanic. And there'd be like one left or two left. And if you got lucky, you got
0: one. And it was an awesome feeling. And if you... <laughs> And if you didn't, and I'm sorry to inter- interrupt, but if you didn't, then you go to the front desk and you're like, hey, did anybody return Terminator 2? Exactly. And it'd be, and the guy might like
1: give you a look or something and be like, yeah, come here, come here. And he go over to his, uh, his laundry basket full of uh, returned videos, search through them real quick. Like, here you go, man. Like, oh my God, I love you. <laughs> <laughs> but honestly, like uh, movie... That's really you. You you really you really caught me off guard on this one, Curtis. Um, and I mean, we're talking early '90s. So, being a child of the '80s, uh, I grew up in video stores. Uh, totally dating myself here, but this was pre-blockbuster days. Uh, there were a few video stores in kind of my immediate area uh, in Tucson, Arizona. Uh, one in particular was called the Warehouse, which was. There were a few of here in Tucson, and so it was one of like the major quote-unquote big box video store rental places, and it had movies and it had music mostly to buy, but it did rent movies too. So sometimes we would go there, but our main place was like this mom-and-pop hole-in-the-wall local video store that was just down the street from our house, and I think my mom liked going there. Um, over other places just because she wanted to support the local small business um, and this place was just this long rectangular like space that divvied up into like five small sections based on genre you know and when my mom would go in there to rent movies for us uh, or for her and my dad um, i would usually just rent nintendo games because they had a little very small nintendo section <laughs> um, and i would make my choice and Probably three minutes, which is very unlike me as far as decision making goes, um, as you can attest to. Um, But most of the time, she was making her selections. Um, I would just always find myself staring at the boxes in the horror section, and this was one of those places where, you know, he, the 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 owner of the store, he just had the 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 VHS wasn't behind the box; it was just literally the empty box. And that was it. And so I would always just be in the horror section, just
0: staring. <laughs> and and these were the days when horror covers were really good. Now, not not so much, but like they put a lot of money and effort into making those covers stand out. Very true. I mean, like the art
1: direction and, and these horror movies, uh, boxes and posters from the 80s. Yeah, they put a lot into it. Um, yeah, especially the art, like the, the drawings and it was just, yeah, it was always something that like always caught my eye. Something about the genre just captivated me. I I hadn't seen 90% of those movies, but I always imagined what certain movies might be like based on the box cover that maybe caught my attention, like you said, uh, and what that movie would be like. And, um, so, and, and the only way to watch. You know, only way back then to to know was to actually watch them so no internet no reviews no trailers for most of these films and so and my mom wasn't going to rent any of those movies for me certainly but uh but
0: did you have a vcr <laughs> yes we had a vcr because um, i know some people had to rent the vcr
1: <laughs> <laughs> i don't remember when we got the vcr but we 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 did have a VCR and it was a Fisher. It was a Fisher brand VCR. Google, Google a picture of a Fisher brand uh, VCR. I think they made TVs too. Um, So anyways, we, we had a VCR and uh, she would never, of course, let me rent any uh, R-rated, especially horror movies. But for some reason, she did let me watch Nightmare on Elm Street and I would rent Nightmare on Elm Street 3 Dream Warriors quite often
0: (laughs) what an excellent what an excellent horror like if you're going to select a movie to be able to rent the best nightmare on elm street sequel it's my
1: it's my favorite of the nightmare movies for sure um and so i I don't know i i think she knew that i i i had seen like nightmare on elm street one and maybe two even though it's it's just so weird. Um, but I think she, maybe she heard me talk about it or I talked to her about it once. And like, I, I tried to play it off as like a, you know, as comedy because Freddy Krueger was just also a comedian in addition to a, a, serial child killer who haunted you in your dreams and killed you in your dreams. And then in real life. Um, so like, I, I always like played it off. Like he was some kind of like funny guy too. And so for some reason, um, and, Maybe they only had one in three at that local video store. So, but I always, for some strange reason, rented uh Nightmare on Elm Street three. And, um, so yeah, that's kind of my, that's kind of my big, uh, that's my, that's my big memory of, of renting a movie
0: several times. That, that's <laughs> a good one. I feel like my first or the, the memories that I have around renting movies, just they're, they're like lame movies. So I'm really jealous of your memory. You have a, you have a cool one.
1: Well, and that's kind of like, just kind of how my, and, and going away almost from renting videos, most of, like back then, m- most of my horror experience actually came and like, I guess my love grew from uh, watching horror movies late at night on the local TV stations. Local TV stations would play horror movies really late at night, Around Halloween, like the, the week leading up to Halloween, and of course on Friday the 13th. And so a lot of like the classics they would play, like Nightmare on Elm Street, Halloween, Halloween 2, The Shining, and a lot of Friday the 13ths. Um, and the thing was, since they were on cable, like they were pretty edited, but still enough to scare the shit out of me <laughs> at a very young age, um, particularly The Shining. Um, but that was there was something really like amazing about staying up super late just to catch one of these movies without my parents really knowing what I was up to. Um and I, like you, Curtis, am an only child. And so uh, you know what that's like. Um my parents were pretty relaxed and didn't really worry too much about what I was doing. Um, and I will also say that I was a child that grew up entirely on too much television. Uh, just as today that the, the, the frying of our, our children's, uh, brains, uh, by way of our devices and iPads and the internet, uh, at large, uh, too much TV is going to rot your brain was the rallying cry of any parent trying to raise a child in the 1980s. Um, so they didn't really, my parents didn't really seem to care. (laughs) I don't know why, but, uh, I was raised on MTV, a few cartoons, which is sort of weird. Um some sitcoms, but mainly it was MTV and horror movies. And I guess being an only child, it was my, it was just my escape was just to watch TV. Um, But sometimes when I was with my cousins, we'd watch horror movies late at night. Um, And that was really fun. Some really great memories. But a lot of the time I spent watching horror movies was, I was by myself. And no matter how scared I was, for some reason, I just couldn't not watch. And I was I was terrified, but somehow just still loved it. It's kind of a messed up way to be, but uh, that's just kind of uh, how I came to be with uh, my sort of horror obsession. Um, and no matter how scared I was, I would just try to go to sleep, and I I, I couldn't because I'd imagine Jason hacking me to death in my sleep, or I'd wake up and. Michael Myers was staring down at me and I'd be so scared I'd question why I'd watched Friday the 13th part 5 again cuz I'd already seen it. <laughs> and it honestly caused me to lose a lot of sleep so.
0: <laughs> you know, I I really love hearing how people get into horror movies and I feel like especially from people like you who have experiences from, you know, the 80s and 90s, I I think it's really cool to hear that. You know, my first memorable horror experiences not nearly as cool it uh, revolves around the halloween episode of family matters with stevel uh steve urkel's evil ventriloquist doll that comes to life and i just remember being so petrified and like i i, I didn't want to watch it it was so scary but yet i kept going back and i feel like for me that was one of the first um experiences or first things that really drew me into that feeling of being afraid and uh and every time going back to a video rental store for me it was usually blockbuster that took me that drew me to the horror section and i remember i don't i don't have any really cool memorable rentals Uh, i just remember usually like friday or saturday night I remember, uh, you know, getting a pizza and, uh, renting a couple movies. And usually it was one that we could watch as a family. And then one that I can watch by myself on my VCR or later my DVD player in my room. Um, and there was one in particular, uh, Johnny Depp's, I guess it's Stephen King's, but, uh, Johnny Depp stars in secret window. I don't know if you've seen this one, but, um, I I, I just remember I've seen secret window. That's a good one. Yeah, it, it is a really good one. Most people don't like it. I feel like it's fairly underrated, but the one of the memories that I have of Secret Window is picking it out. I was really excited um, just because it was like, at back then it was like a new release. So it was in that new release section and it has Johnny Depp and it looks, you know, kind of scary, thriller-esque kind of a movie. Um, and even back then, like, I didn't have a way to, hop on Letterboxd and read reviews like you mentioned or go on YouTube on my phone while I'm in Blockbuster and watch a trailer for the movie. It was really, um, if you haven't already seen a trailer or if you didn't do research maybe at home at this time uh, online before going to Blockbuster, then likely you don't really know anything and you're really taking a chance. So I just remember picking that one out and we went to the, the desk to rent it and the guy working there was like oh i he he basically ruined the ending for us and my mom i just remember she like gave him this look like really like why you're we haven't he hasn't seen it because she had seen it but i hadn't seen it why would he do so that? she got <laughs> i i don't know but yeah she she got uh obviously pretty irritated with him doing that so i i do remember that uh not a fun movie to remember but kind of a weird little experience but you mentioned um your memories of going and there'd be like 100 copies of terminator 2 in preparing for this discussion just to kind of like feel a feel a feel a bit of of nostalgia for just movie rental stores in general Um, I did the most ironic thing I've maybe ever done, which was digitally rent a movie about Blockbuster. Just think about that. (laughs) So I rented the last Blockbuster. And one of the things that they mentioned that I didn't really quite realize, and it makes a lot of sense, but the whole purpose of the movie rental, the the video rental store, uh, of course, Blockbuster wasn't the first one. Um, but the whole purpose of the movie rental store was uh, a way to get the average consumer, give them a way to watch new movies or just any movie, be able to rent a movie. Because back when VHS tapes became a thing, they were really expensive. Um, they were like 100 bucks, 99 bucks, And I think that that was the movie studio's way to kind of justify selling that product to to the consumer in that they can buy the movie and it's justified as a $100 purchase because they can watch it with, you know, 8, 9, 10 people. So exactly. obviously most yeah, most people didn't want to pay 100 bucks. So do you remember a time back back when movie theater or movie rental stores were fairly new and there was only like a few copies of movies?
1: Yeah, especially in those local video stores like i mentioned um a few of the ones that we would that we would that we would frequent that one in particular um before like you said it became the the big box stores really kind of started you know like blockbuster obviously being the biggest one started showing up and that was you know that that was almost like the death to the local stores and um i don't know how Or if a lot of them survived, I know my local one um, did well for a while after the rise of blockbuster, but then you know probably went out of business at some point. Um, But yeah, it was it it was especially in those smaller places. It there was literally just one copy of each movie, maybe two or three for the new releases, and that was it. And and so you know that was. That, that was kind of interesting especially given that you know all of a sudden they just places like Blockbuster pop up and then they just you know it's just like they mass-produced all the VHS copies of all these new movies and so there was just a surplus of them and I think that's maybe when you know uh, VHS rentals got a little bit cheaper um, because I do remember them being pretty expensive in the in the early 80s and the, like I paid attention but I remember my mom talking about you know if she'd rent two or three movies or something so She'd spend like, I don't know, 20, 25 bucks or something like that. There's like two day checkout. <laughs> so yeah, it was, it was a lot.
0: Yeah. I can't even, you mentioned something earlier about going and I'm, I'm just trying to put myself in that position, but going with you to blockbuster, like what would that be like? Because, and I can like tell a story of let's say C, going to CVS with you and you just finding a drink is like a 10 minute experience Uh, very indecisive. Um, so I, I, I literally, I can't, I can't even imagine, I can't fathom walking into a blockbuster with you and watching you decide or choose a movie to rent. I, 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 it would be an all day experience. It's like, we would have to go at like noon to be able to watch the movie by five. I feel it, it and, was very much like you described. Yes. <laughs> and I guess my, my question for you, just out of curiosity, um, since it was that way, do you feel, because this is like a, this is a real life experience. So you're physically going to the the, the rental store, whether that's your local or a Blockbuster, you're, you're going there. So you're walking in and you're around people Um, versus in comparison now, you know, I rented the last blockbuster on my couch, you know, comfort of my own home. Um, you being in the store, do you, did you ever feel, I guess, vulnerable or, or judged based on movies that you were watching or picking up to look at the back of the box? Was that a thing for you? Not,
1: not really. Cause most of the time that I went, especially in the nineties, uh, walking into a blockbuster on a Friday or Saturday night, it that was that was the time of day when it was just super crowded. Like around dinner time, like you said, you you'd get a pizza or you've got friends spending the night or or whatever, spending the night at somebody else's house, and your you know, parents just take you over to Blockbuster, there was tons of people. It was like a party. There was just tons of people around. People are grabbing their movies and I I feel like no one was really paying attention to the people that they weren't there with um but then there was the other times where you'd you'd walk into a blockbuster maybe like (laughs) like on a not so busy time maybe like on a tuesday evening or something and there was not a lot of people around and um you know if you weren't in like the new release section or something looking for a particular title like you know like a you know, like uh, uh, in the drama section or something. So I guess going back to like me being a, a horror fan, i would just kind of peruse the horror section. I might be the only person kind of in that little section or there might be one or two other people there. And so, yes, I, I kind of do remember almost being self-conscious about uh, a movie that I would pick up to like look at the back of the box or, you know, just kind of like, you know, just feeling weird about it. Just like, uh, was this guy? Was this guy? think of me uh picking up uh i I remember one box in particular of a movie i I think you and i watched this movie and we watched it in the office (laughs) remember happy birthday to me yeah i (laughs) (laughs) remember this is this is it's weird that you and i watched this movie together and that was the first time i'd Mm -hmm. ever seen it i remember looking at the happy birthday to me uh box in a video store and I think it was, it was just really weird. It was just a, uh, it was the killer with like, a, a. it was just the killer's hand with a glove and it was shoving a shish kebab in someone's mouth. And it was like really weird to me. And I would always like stare at that. Just it's, it's, I'm, I was a weird kid, <laughs> but just, just like kind of morbid. And I would always like check that one out for some weird reason. Never ever saw it until all those years later. Um, but, yeah, I remember kind of being weirded out about maybe someone that I knew maybe <laughs> coming around the corner and be like, hey, what's up, dude? And I like, go, yeah, just checking out the horror section by myself. Weird kid. But, uh, but no, it was, yeah, I, I kind of remember a few of those times. I,
0: I almost feel like, yeah, because I, I was, when I was a kid, I didn't care. I just went to Blockbuster and just looked at movies. Like, I, I had no care in the world, I guess, what, what people thought of me when I looked at it, but I feel like maybe in that time I felt like I would be the cool kid in the horror section looking at all the, the weird horror movies. But, um, I don't know, maybe for me, I really didn't get into horror until like the early two thousands. Um, so I don't know, maybe in the, the mid early mid nineties or so, uh, leading into the late nineties. I don't know if that was more weird back then, Which I suppose it was. I feel like horror really didn't become so mainstream until the 90s. Even like the 80s with... There were a lot of obvious mainstream movies like Friday the 13th and Nightmare and and Halloween. Um, But there was a lot of cult movies that really uh, came from those movies. That really spawned um, as inspiration because of those movies and uh m- maybe back then it wasn't the cool thing to do to l- to look at horror i i don't know i never thought of that i feel like as a kid
1: maybe it wasn't um
0: because obviously like
1: horror especially in the 80s when you know it just the rise and the oversaturation of um the slasher film um the camp whatever uh, just all of the, just all of the oversaturation of of horror just because it was pretty popular um i feel like just because it was you know everything was r-rated it was super gory it was super bloody um maybe being a a super young kid looking at that stuff you felt like it was wrong um so from that standpoint yeah i definitely felt like an outsider
0: (laughs) it's almost like you're in the adult section kind of exactly
1: it just one step yeah. below the adult section the weird walled yeah. off adult section with the curtain <laughs> <laughs> oh did you did you know that they they had like especially at the uh you know i mean if there was a video store with an adult section it would be walled off by itself with one little entrance like a weird you know like
0: purple curtain or something it was very exciting you know You know, it's funny. I didn't know that they had a brief section about that in the last blockbuster, but before that, I had no idea. So that was a thing, a common thing.
1: It was a thing. Yeah, you could actually rent um, adult videos at some video stores. It it was. I want to. I feel like it was kind of rare because there wasn't a whole lot of video stores that I went to. You know, that would that would have like the adult section, but. I do remember in Indiana, a few video stores, get <laughs> I don't know if it's just the Midwest or what, um, pretty much every video store I ever walked into uh, when I visited Indiana had the uh, had the purple curtain in the back.
0: <laughs> one one other thing you, you mentioned earlier that kind of spawned a memory for me is uh, you rented Nintendo games at your local video store, and I remember in... Correct me if I'm wrong, you, you probably may remember more than I do, but um, Blockbuster didn't adapt game rentals until a, a lot later. So I, I feel like, if I'm remembering correctly, either they had no game selection or game section um, that eventually grew, um, or they just didn't have one at all. But I remember when it was like the Nintendo 64 era, roughly when it started and i think um, that's when i first the, the first memorable game that i ever rented and i remember it was like a 3 day weekend and it was maybe august or maybe it was september october i don't know it had it had been a long time since my birthday and christmas and i just felt really bored like i feel like everything i had was really boring and i remember tony hawks pro skater coming out on the uh the nintendo 64 And maybe, I don't know if it was like the first one or the second one, or maybe uh, the first one that came out on the PlayStation 2. I feel like it was one of the cartridge ones. So I want to say like the first two for the 64. But I just remember just begging, like, please take me to Blockbuster. I just really want to rent Tony Hawk's Pro Skater and it was wasn't until like Sunday I think that we went and I was off like Friday, Saturday, Sunday and we we didn't go till like Sunday afternoon. So I got to play it like Sunday afternoon and then I had to return it Wednesday or something. So I just remember like like um begging, being bored out of my mind and and begging to go get Tony Hawk's Pro Skater. Well,
1: P- Tony Hawk Pro Skater uh great game. Tony Hawk Pro Skater 2 was like my was like my addiction for like a whole year, um, maybe longer in in college, and that was that was when we had a PlayStation Two. Uh, me and my friend, uh, when we lived together in college. So I had the one that was on the you know it's the regular disc, uh, rather than the cartridge. But man, great games. And you, actually, you're right about that. Um, the the game section or their game, uh, their whole game. The gaming game at Blockbuster grew quite a bit. Um, I think with the rise when there was just kind of multiple consoles coming out, especially when like like 64 and, you know, PlayStation and then pretty soon Xbox, when there was like more choices of consoles is when, of course, their their gaming section grew like quite a bit because prior to that, there really wasn't much. So yeah, you're definitely remembering that correctly.
0: One other quick story, just just a memorable rental. It has nothing to do with me going to Blockbuster. Um, really, I didn't even rent the movie, but I remember the first time I saw Meet the Parents. My neighbor had one of those vans that had a VA, uh, VCR like, like in the console. So you put the VC or you put the VHS tape in the VCR, which is like in the armrest or whatever of the front seat. And then it had like the big, like fat TV on the connected to the roof. And I just remember sitting in that van and I don't remember where we went. Like, it's not like we were going far, but for some reason we put on, they rented and we were watching meet the parents in the van as we went somewhere like 20 minutes away. So for some reason that's (laughs) random. Yeah, it is so... I mean, everything about it is random. The experience, but the fact that I, for some reason, remember that. Um, but specifically, I remember, like, the, his name was um, David. David getting in the car, or the, the the van, and he had, like, two Blockbuster rental cases in his hand, and he asked everybody their thoughts on which one to watch. And I don't remember the other option, but we obviously ended up going with Meet the Parents. Um. So yeah, very random and, and odd, but memorable, I guess. I I can't say I've ever watched a movie in
1: uh in a van, uh, especially a VHS. <laughs> so congratulations there.
0: Hey, thanks. Yeah, I guess that's uh <laughs> something. I it's guess if sweet. it watched a movie in shaggin wagon, <laughs> check. Um. So last. Thing because this is you know the death of movie rental stores, <sighs> you know the downfall of the blockbuster, of course, and um, you know they they tried to go digital. I think I think it likely failed, or, or at least in my opinion, I think the brand is really just tied with the experience. Yeah, there's there's something nostalgic about going to the to a blockbuster and just the whole experience. And they tried to go digital, and I, I think for me. Well, I don't know if you knew this, but and I knew this before the documentary that I watched. So you, you you may know this, but Blockbuster did have the chance to buy Netflix. Did you know that?
1: No, I didn't know that at all.
0: Yeah, That's Blockbuster crazy. could have bought Netflix and so instead of today we could have you know Blockbuster originals. But even then I don't I don't know. I, I really f- try and imagine a, a world where, we have Blockbuster instead of Netflix. I, I just don't know if it would have been as successful, um, just because there was there's memories and experiences tied to the Blockbuster brand, and Netflix being something new. And it's seen, even though in the early days, um, it's seen as a way to rent DVDs, you know, through the mail, and eventually their streaming service. Um, they had a, they, their collection grew, so it became more popular. And obviously the Netflix originals. So I, I just don't know if, I don't know if it would have, if Netflix would be Netflix, if Netflix was blockbuster, if that makes sense. No, I know exactly. I, I can see exactly what you're saying. That would be really weird
1: if we had like, you know, every time we started up our, our Apple TV and we, and we clicked on that Netflix, it would be a blockbuster, uh, icon that all of a sudden you'd see that
0: do
1: blockbuster. Like it just wouldn't, it, wouldn't it be the wouldn't, same. It wouldn't be the same. And we would only feel nostalgic towards that mode of media, um, like VHS and DVDs um, that we felt so strongly. Uh, we wouldn't tie that to blockbuster as much. Um, so yeah, I think that... I'm I'm glad <laughs> that we don't have that almost, and that Netflix was just like the ushering in of, of 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 streaming for good, you know, a new era. Um, yeah, exactly. So I, I I feel like it's good that it's that it's separate, but that's really interesting that 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 Netflix very well could have been blockbuster.
0: Yeah. Well, any any final blockbuster thoughts? Anything else that you you had on your mind that you wanted to talk about? Um, the only thing which, and I guess this
1: is just like a random story. Uh, there was a store just down the street from where I lived and it was a furniture store. And I think I texted you a picture of this the first time that I actually ever noticed it. Um, I'm surprised I didn't notice it before. I feel like it was maybe just a few years ago and I don't remember what the furniture store is called, but their lettering on the side of the building was the blockbuster lettering. And I'm sitting there in a light one day, and I'm like, "That's the blockbuster lettering. Why would they do that?" (laughs) I mean, I guess it's a good way to like invoke that feeling into people, like, "Oh, maybe, oh, it's the blockbuster lettering. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll go into that store. Maybe it's cool. Maybe it's a cool furniture store. You know, maybe I might find something cool there, like a couch or something, where I can fire up my Netflix." But I just thought it was just a really weird Uh, because I've never seen like the lettering on I mean that the blockbuster lettering the font is so iconic you know that like when you see it you know it it's just like that's that's blockbuster so you got to check that out
0: well guys it is about that time Uh, we are going to take a little quick intermission before we dive into today's movie which is 1983's cult classic slasher sleepaway camp so If you need a a drink refreshment or uh, refresh your snack, now's the time. We'll see you in a few minutes. over movie podcast hope you had a good little intermission there uh today as i mentioned we are talking about the 1983 cult classic horror slasher sleepaway camp essentially it's about a slightly disturbed and painfully shy angela baker as she is sent away to summer camp with her cousin Not long after Angela's arrival, things start to go horribly wrong for anyone with sinister or less than honorable intentions. (laughs) That's a great
1: description. Only thing I would add to that synopsis is, uh, at the top of it anyway, would would be, uh, after a horrible boating accident, Angela is sent to live with her cousin Ricky and her strange and quirky Aunt Martha.
0: Dear Mom and Dad, I've been at Sleepaway Camp for almost three weeks and I'm getting very scared.
1: Welcome to Sleepaway Camp.
0: Sleepaway Camp was uh, directed by Robert Hiltzik and he did nothing outside of Sleepaway Camp. Uh, He eventually did return to Sleepaway Camp but when the when the Sleepaway Camp sequels came about, and they didn't cast the main star Felissa Rose, uh, he pretty much kind of ditched Sleepaway Camp and didn't want anything to do with it. He was he was pretty upset for it because he did write Sleepaway Camp 2, uh, but but when they didn't cast Felissa Rose, he was just pretty much done with it. But um, I, I thought he did fantastic with this movie. And it's really unfortunate that he didn't do anything else. You know, I, I would love to be, see and really be interested in, um, you know, what else he could have contributed to the horror community or even outside of that if if yeah, he he desired. But as I mentioned, uh, stars Felissa Rose. She is uh, one of the main characters. Uh, Jonathan Tierston, Karen Fields, um, a lot of very small names. You you might un- uh, recognize some of the names. Uh, But a lot of the actors in this movie didn't really do much outside of sleepaway camp. Like if you, if you go to visit their page on letterboxd, a lot of them just have sleepaway camp credits. But um, the, the one of my favorite stories that I had already heard from Justin, as far as renting movies uh, from video rental stores deals with this film. So uh, purposely I asked him to save this one just to kind of help us transition uh, Justin, I can't wait to hear it again. The Sleepaway Camp story.
1: Well, Sleepaway Camp is just one of those movies. And, you know, it, it's now it's a cult classic, of course, now. But um, looking looking back at it, it's I mean, honestly, it could probably <laughs> it sounds silly to say, but it, it could probably crack my top 10 uh, movies of all time, uh, possibly. Um, so it's it's. It's just it's just one of those movies, but uh, Sleepaway Camp was always one of those that caught my eye back in the video store days, just because of the knife going through the shoe, and the knife was bloody, and it had sort of this mystique to it. So when we talk about uh, horror movies from the '80s and the and the the money that they spent on the on the art direction, especially for the uh, the VHS boxes. this one always, always caught my eye and because it it didn't really give away anything. It didn't give you like a good idea of what it was about. Um, Although, you know, you had a pretty good idea that it was, you know, just a a camp slasher, classic eighties, horrible, probably horror movie that, you know, started to really get overdone at that point. Um, Actually, I mean, I don't really know if this was 1983 um was the point where it was really starting to get oversaturated it was still kind of new um so i you know i i feel like at at that point even years later people who didn't see it it was probably lost on too many people i fear like too many people probably missed out on it and it's kind of a shame um but behind that bloody shoe like on the box cover is a note written um from uh, from the pov of a kid at camp talking about people disappearing or uh, or dying and i don't think it had any shots of the movie from the on the back of the VHS box so that added to the mystery it was literally just like like um, more of like the note or something and I think it may be like a short description of the movie so it just added to just the mystique of the of the whole thing for me so I'd always seen it you know at the video store finally one day sixth grade so this would have been 1993 for me uh, I was spending the night at my friend andy's house one night and we went to the video store and uh actually not too far from where i live right now and it wasn't anything we had been wanting to see or ever talked about i mean but in my head i was just like i have totally wanted to see this forever (laughs) i'm like i was like pretty stoked about it he's like yeah let's get that so and i'll just say that that might that night changed my life forever in many ways (laughs) We, we we uh Popped in the old v, uh, VHS um, when we got home. We watched it with his two sisters. Uh, one of them was older, and the other one was younger than us. She was probably like fourth grade. So this was just a really not the movie for a fourth grader to be watching. It really messed us up, and I'll really never ever forget that night. Uh, there was a lot of laughter uh, because how unexpectedly hilarious that movie is um i don't think we were really expecting to laugh harder than we ever have at a horror movie i mean you could almost categorize it as like horror comedy um the writing was 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 genius you know i I love cheesy i love cheese factor and in in old 80s horror um the mouths on uh some of these kids were fantastic um just just the cursing itself in the movie is great. Some of the best one-liners I've ever heard, um, I think ever written and put to film, are in Sleepaway Camp. Um, but yeah, that was my, that's my like, uh, that's my first experience with Sleepaway Camp. I will never forget it.
0: So, <clears throat> to tag on to that story, I, I remember you saying that you would repeatedly rent Sleepaway Camp. Yes. So from that point on.
1: Uh, Me and my friend Andy, I think probably at school, um, you know, that next Monday or whatever, uh, we told a lot of people that we rented this movie, Sleepaway Camp. And it was the most messed up, hilarious horror movie you've ever seen in your life. So, um, pretty much starting there, (laughs) all the way up until probably after college so many years i would uh actually rent this movie and we i would show it to as many people as i possibly could and for some reason i you know just because i loved it so much and i I wanted to see what other people's reactions were to it and i sort of used it as like this measuring tool especially with people that maybe i didn't know very well um that if we watched it and that person really liked it um i knew that i you know (laughs) i knew that that person was cool and i probably wanted to be friends with them and if they looked at me and they were super disturbed and they said that was that was really weird or that was really disturbing i hated that movie i knew that that was a person that i i didn't want in my life so it was a good way to uh it was it was a good way to 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 sort of uh judge people if i didn't if i didn't know them very well that makes sense (laughs)
0: I feel like I should start doing that. So if you want to be my friend, you have to come over and watch Sleepaway Camp. And depending on how you react to this movie, um, maybe you, maybe we'll be friends. But it's funny. Pretty much anybody I talk to Sleepaway Camp about, I tell them your story just because I think it's so cool. And I don't know if I've ever told you this, but um, I don't know how many times I've told this story to people uh, just because I feel like it it sets the movie up correctly. Like, it makes them want to watch the movie if they didn't already. Because most people are like, oh, yeah, another another early 80s slasher that, you know, came out after Friday the 13th. And I I feel like that may kind of give an extra push to people just because, you know, somebody at some point would basically select their friends. This was the, the friend meter. You know, are they going to... If they add me on Facebook in 25, 30 years, will I add? Will I accept them based on how they reacted to, to Sleepaway Camp? <laughs> it's how
1: how how good a friend can you actually be to me if uh, depending on your uh, how how you feel about about Sleepaway Camp? I could just tell on on a person's face by the end of that movie if they you know if they've got a certain look on their face that tells me that they didn't enjoy it uh, in some small way. Yep, like I said. Don't want to be, just don't want you in my life. <laughs> it, it, and like, especially like, you're right. It's like, and, and in 1993, I was, it was 92 or 93 that I saw it. So I was either 12 or 13 years old. Um, uh, And it was what, you know, like a full 10 years after it had already come out. So you're right. It's just, you, you just sort of have this preconceived notion that you, you know, once you've seen one slasher, you've seen them all. And, you know, there's, there's some really special ones, of course, mm-hmm. but going into it, yeah, that's totally what I thought it was going to be, even though I kind of had my eye on it for many years. I'm, I'm I'm glad I didn't see it when I was much younger because I, I, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't be here talking to you. I'd be in a mental hospital somewhere,
0: but we can get (laughs) it. What I find really interesting, this movie originally had a $50,000 budget before going into filming the director, Robert Hiltzik, his mom passed away So he ended up receiving, I think it was like $300,000 from an insurance, life insurance policy. And so he put that into the movie. So I'm really curious as to like what movie, what Sleepaway Camp would have been, you know, without that timely passing. Um, But also, I don't know if you know this, but when this movie released, it was the number one movie in the box office that weekend. Which to me is weird because I still kind of just view it as this cult slasher horror movie that most people haven't seen but also is fairly under not even fairly i would say it's very underrated um in today's standards yeah exactly
1: But well, no that completely surprises me because i wouldn't have think that it would have been playing on that many screens i mean it's not like it was a movie that was like it had any kind of advertising so i mean like i said like first time i ever saw it of course was in a in a video store so i I didn't think it was even playing on screens, so that's that's crazy.
0: Yeah. Alternatively, uh, it was filmed in September, and well, it took six weeks to film. Um, it was filmed in September and part of October of 1982. So I don't, I don't know. You've, you've probably seen it more than I have, but um, there is one thing that I always found really, really weird in. The in this, in the intro sequence, the title sequence, um, if I remembering correctly, it's specifically when you see the word "sleepaway camp" on on the screen. Um, all of the trees are like fall; they're all like orange and yellow, and I found that very weird, seeing as this is a summer camp, and like all of the other leaves are green. What I later found out was, in in doing some research, those leaves they had to spray paint green. Because as, the, as their shooting went on, the, the trees started changing color. So they had to basically fake summer um, in some of the scenes based on the, the color of the leaves. Right. Sounds, I mean,
1: sounds about right. And, you know, there's a lot of fake things in this movie. So <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't really surprise me that the leaves were fake also. Let's chalk it up to one of those uh, 80s low-budget films. Super low Yeah,
0: budget. yeah. I mean, it has the same, roughly the same budget as Halloween did. Um, not That's the crazy. same. Yeah, not the same impact, obviously, on on our um culture. But so one thing that I wanted to to talk about is my favorite kill in Sleepaway Camp, and I think you did a, a really good job, really, in in your main overall summary as to what your thoughts were first watching Sleepaway Camp. I think you really nailed it as far as what I what draws me to the movie as well as far as the characters, the one liners, um, uh, the ending, uh, just the overall vibe. Like I feel like the cinematography f- for a slasher movie, I really liked. Um, I like some of the POV shots that they had, and I like that it w- came out around Friday the Thirteenth, but. So it almost seems like a Friday the Thirteenth ripoff in a sense, but at the same time it doesn't. Like I feel like this is this almost was made with no Friday the Thirteenth inspiration, if, if that makes any sense at all. But my favorite kill of Sleepaway Camp is uh, the first one when you can see the point of view shot of of a hand pushing um, the chef into the boiling pot of water and later the the paramedics come which by the way was uh actual local paramedics like that those weren't actors I, i'm pretty sure that ambulance was lent to the the movie set to use and then they used real paramedics to like roll him out but yeah that, that's my favorite um that's my favorite death and uh, especially with how it's set up like in in the back room you know i don't want to really give any spoilers but just Kind of that whole sequence um, behind it, to me, was uh, very good. But the the one thing that I found really interesting and listening back to it now, but the the character of Ben, he's like one of the other chefs in at this camp. Uh, it's played by James Earl Jones's dad, Robert Earl Jones. They're too young to even understand what's on your mind. Did 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 you know? And I'm I'm just scrolling through the letterboxed uh, cast list. But did you know that you potentially have a relative in Sleepaway Camp? Are you related to an Owen Hughes? (laughs) Not that I know of. No. Who does who does he play? I'm pretty sure it's Artie, which is the cook that we were just talking about. So you're you could be related. The the cook that we were just talking about who dies.
1: Who who met one of the one of the greatest uh one of the greatest deaths uh in this movie and maybe of all time? Well, it Actually makes sense. They, they, the guy actually kind of looks like my dad. I don't look anything like, like my dad, and, and and this guy's like a this guy's like a looks like a white dude from Indiana, kind of like my dad. This is so your second
0: now. homework assignment from this episode is to create an ancestry.com account and see if you can link yourself to Owen Hughes. <laughs> Um, well that's very interesting what what a what an odd co- coincidence there but one of the weirdest things about this movie is in the very beginning and i really like how you kind of have talked about it in the past uh you just set it up so well which is how weird it is that whole scene with with the ant it's the ant right um yes yeah the ant with the the little girl and the little boy and just it's so weird. Like, there's just something about it that just really, from the beginning, draws you in and tells you that this is just not like a traditional slasher movie.
1: Desiree Gold is the actress's name who played Aunt Martha in this movie, and she's she's probably one of my favorite uh, characters in the movie. Even though she's not she's not in it all that much, um, but her scenes are so crazy. Desiree Gold who plays this Aunt Martha, you can't say enough about her like performance wise, is probably the best performance in the movie, I think. It's it's so over the top, um, in the most like sweet aunt yet disturbing aunt way um that I've ever seen. <laughs> I think, yeah, that that's a that's a good that's definitely a good uh one to bring up.
0: So, Justin, what would you say is your favorite kill in Sleepaway Camp?
1: Favorite kill in Sleepaway Camp would have to go to, uh, and I can't remember who the character was that was on the receiving end of this. um, Off the top of my head, I should remember it. Is the uh, beehive in the bathroom (laughs) kill? (laughs) It's it's without giving too much away. It's um, you know, it's a beehive is involved, and uh, someone is. uh, unfortunately uh, taking their last trip to the bathroom that's all i'll say about that but uh it's it's pretty amazing just i mean all the kills in general um or a lot of the kills in general are just super inventive in this movie which is part of why it makes it so awesome and enjoyable um but yeah the beehive is just it's it's great (laughs) you like that you like that one too
0: yeah that one and i'm actually as you're talking about it i am I just pulled it up on youtube uh thankfully scream <laughs> factory just uploaded that one one death and it's so funny i i honestly i forgot even how it was done how they the the killer put the beehive through the window <laughs> yeah after just after putting
1: waving it around like crazy
0: yeah yeah after putting the broomstick in the uh, bathroom stall door handle so the the victim could not get out and then, of course, you see the big the reveal scene at the end. Oh gosh, there there's so many good ones like this too, uh, including the 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 boat kill one where later on you see the victim and it's um, the snake, you know, crawling around. I think it yeah, like crawled water, out of
1: the water snake. The water snake, yeah, coming out of the uh, coming out of the the corpse. That is really cool. There's there's so many kills especially like when you're talking about the beehive kill um part of the enjoyment of of horror is is you know like it's it it's all some stuff is so absurd sometimes in in horror that you laugh um i don't know if it's just maybe like a defense mechanism because you're scared or you can are you are trying to you're imagining what it would be like um uh to be a, a horror movie victim or whatever like you just you just instinctively laugh um but the and that's true for a lot of uh, different parts of this movie but but especially just the the actual dialogue itself in some scenes and some of the outfits are so insanely 80s and um the guy's shorts are crazy there's no nudity in the film which is um you know which it was kind of a staple of the 80s um you know to have at least one Um, you know, frontal nudity shot. Um, but this uh, sleepaway camp doesn't have any of that. Um, it actually has more like male bulges, I think than any other horror movie. Um, the dude's shorts are super short. Uh, there's weird crop tops. Um, thematically like, uh, it, there's some really, really weird elements there that, that kind of, they go into a little bit. Um, it's, it's, the whole movie is just kind of like homoerotic in, in some ways um, as more information starts to reveal itself um, about the movie. Um, there's even an element of, of, of pedophilia if, if I remember correctly. So there's some really, there's really dark undertones there while also being absolutely hilarious at, at, at some parts. Um It really has it all, particularly one scene that I remember um, having. It's weird because it's one of those scenes that almost seems like a deleted scene. If you if you if you look back at the movie and you watch it, it it would be a deleted scene because it has nothing to do with the plot whatsoever is a scene where they are playing uh, a baseball game. And I mean, there's little parts of it that can that you can see that could maybe move the plot along in, in, in some ways, but like for the most part, it's like a full five minute scene of these kids playing baseball. Just the one liners are hilarious. They're just cursing at each other. The outfits are absolutely outrageous and it's, it's just ridiculous and there's almost nothing to do with the plot (laughs) whatsoever. And that's just, kind of one of those things uh where the charm yeah it's just this it's just the charm of it and i think robert hiltzik uh to his credit was a genius in writing this movie with um you know just the dialogue um how how ridiculous some of it is um cheesy i mean credit to the actors i mean they they these actors were did the best they could i think and uh took it absolutely seriously i'm sure it was a huge huge deal for a lot of them and uh that they, they i think they did a really good job i, don't, I mean I, I don't know how self aware the movie is like how funny it, it meant to be or maybe didn't mean to be but um hiltzik again like i just the 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 elements that he brings into this film combined with some of the the dialogue and like i've never laughed harder in a horror movie ever um, than I do at Sleepaway Camp. It's the funniest horror movie I've ever watched in my entire life. It's really got everything, including the best twist ending ever. The final image of the film, for me, it's it's forever ingrained in my brain, and I think it probably will be for most anyone who sees it. Um, it it's it's so it's so shocking, and and it's one of those things where like you, you're, you're watching an eighties movie and like, like we've talked about, it's just kind of like you set up like your normal everyday cheesy eighties horror film somewhat predictable um, in that you pretty much know what's, what's going to happen. The killer's going to be revealed and it's exactly who you think it's going to be um, except it is and except it isn't. And it, it, it really throws you for a loop and I can't, I can't say I, I could not see it coming. Um, I don't think anyone who watches this movie would ever see uh, the ending coming because it is it. Once you realize the twist, and once it's revealed, and you're like, "Oh my god!" and that and that the just the twist is running through your brain, and then to see the image that actually closes the film, and not only the image, but the actual sound that accompanies the image is seriously is so disturbing it freaked me out I couldn't sleep that night when I was at my friend Andy's house <laughs> <laughs> it was and, and like no matter how many times I've watched it I swear it's one of the only things that actually still gives me chills like physical just chills at the end of it i mean i've i've used a portion of that image um for various avatars for uh different you know uh online profiles that i've had on the internet over the years and so you know sometimes you just i've, I've had people like ask me like what is that what is your avatar it's just it's really weird and i like that we're talking about this to the point where you know if you haven't seen it you, you wouldn't really know what we're talking about so we're not really spoiling anything but then you get some people who are like, who are like, oh, "Sleepaway camp, dude! <laughs> awesome avatar, bro!" <laughs> and they're like, "Yeah," and they're like, "Yeah, you know, you know," and they're like, "Yeah, I know, I know." So I, I'm, I'm a, I'm a scaredy cat um, with with horror films, and that's part of why I like it so much. I just like that. I just like being scared or whatever it is. Um, this truly scares. shit out of me every single time scary more disturbing than scary but still scary i close my eyes i pretty much see the ending of sleepaway camp i've played it in my head a million times
0: (laughs) yeah and that that final that final scene it freezes on you know the last frame and then the credits roll so it's not even like The movie ends and then it, you know, fades to black and you watch the credit. You have to watch, you know, look at the credits while you're watching or seeing that final, final uh, frame of the movie. Exactly. It freezes, credits roll. Um, I think
1: there's a little bit of like a, um, the, the image kind of gets a little bit distorted. If I, um, yeah, it's like green, it's like night vision. Yeah, it turns. Yeah, exactly. It turns like a night vision green as the credits are rolling. And so you're the whole credits. It's not like they like give
0: you like the main credits and they're like, okay, here's the black screen. No, you see the, (laughs) all of the credits. It's so messed up, dude.
1: (laughs) Just go watch it. If you haven't seen it, go watch it. Austin, Austin Bristion. If you're listening, you need to watch sleepaway camp. I've, 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 I've been listening to the pod, Curtis, your previous episodes. And, and I, I, I hear that uh, Austin talk about how He's not a super big horror guy, but, um, you know, I think I think uh, this deserves a uh, at least one view from from everyone.
0: I like it. So, in a future episode, uh, potentially we could get Austin's thoughts on Sleepway Camp, and then you know have a coherence discussion. I I feel like that would be really good. So I, I like where this is Tune going. Some
1: of my favorite movies.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, cool.
1: I think, I think that would be really cool. Um, but yeah, I don't know. What did what What did you think
0: the first time you ever saw that? Yeah, it's funny. I remember... Well, I will say that there's never been a slasher. Even Halloween, there's never been a slasher that when I watched it the first time, I felt so inclined to watch it again, like, the next day. And for me, that's one of, like, the the uh, telltale signs that if I feel so inclined to watch a movie two days in a row, that's a movie. Like, it did something to me mentally. <laughs> and without giving anything away i mean that sleepaway camp so i remember yeah where i was uh i watched it i was in my room i remember that uh i remember it was very like i don't like lights at all so i remember um it was around oh i know oh i know curtis (laughs) oh yeah the the office was (laughs) constantly dark
1: i couldn't work I'd walk into a a a room where you were setting up a meeting, and it was almost pitch black. I'm like, "What? This is not safe. I'm supposed to be supervising you here. Turn the lights on."
0: (laughs) Sorry, continue. It's it's so weird because I can just literally remember sitting there, and it it was just like there's something about it. Like I don't remember watching any other movie. You know what I mean? Like. Movies don't really stay with me, but sleepaway camp, that movie, I can remember where I was the time of year, you know, what, what my room looked like. Um, yeah. And then I watched it the next day just because it's, it's, again, it's one of those movies that on a second watch, you're potentially picking up things that you didn't pick up in the first watch.
1: I'm almost positive we watched it the next day and we might have even watched it twice. So, and, and I'm not the kind of guy who watches a movie, um, multiple times unless it's one of my favorite movies. But I mean, we we watched that movie several times, I think the next day. Because we were like and we were like, people have to see this movie. <laughs> so we'd like to think that we were like the uh the uh the people who like spread uh spread that movie around at least our, our middle school and then and then our high school was we showed it to all of our friends. I mean it's not a great no one would say it's a great movie, but it it has for entertainment value for, for the genre for the genre yeah. and I think for it's, the time it's a
0: genre favorite
1: yeah and like i said it wasn't like it was in a, a time where there were so many slasher films being made because it it came out in the very early 80s but it was it was going like you said going off the friday the 13th um idea of the slasher film and um but in a completely different way. I mean, you're watching most of the movie and it's, um, you know, aside from the, the the funny bits that you'll find yourself cracking up at, it's like your typical 80s slasher film with one key difference and that's the ending that no one sees coming.
0: Um, that so. is an excellent way to, to conclude a, an excellent discussion all around Sleepaway Camp but before we can do that before we can wrap everything up and and play that outro music there is one last story that i had here that i think is extremely important to cover this was back in 2015 when when scream factory released the special edition of the sleepaway camp blu-ray uh, this was a time when when you were actually off work recovering from surgery and uh and I wanted to send you a a pick me up gift, a, a feel better gift. I hadn't seen you in about a year, right? At this point,
1: uh, yeah, it was it was it was between maybe six and eight months, I want to say maybe.
0: Okay, well, almost a year, and I I wanted to send a gift because uh, you weren't feeling well. So what I did was I sent. Well, I, I first of all I got Felissa Rose's address. And I sent her some instructions, kind of a, a bit of your story, and uh, just to let her know what you had gone through and that you're recovering from this surgery. And I sent two covers, and I sent special instructions for each one. The first set of instructions said, to Justin, meet me at the waterfront after the social, Phyllis Arose Angela. Meet me at the waterfront after the social. I'll be there. And then mine was supposed to say the same quote, however, addressed to me. So I send both of the covers with a nicely written letter, um, self-addressed stamped envelopes to return back so she didn't have to, of course, cover anything out of her pocket. And I think it was about a month and a half. It it definitely wasn't as long as when I sent some stuff to John Carpenter, uh, which I think was about a year turnaround. So a month and a half definitely isn't bad. Uh, but I got in the mail my uh, something that I had sent myself. I was so excited, so I open up the envelopes, and yours was on top. It said to Justin, "Meet me at the waterfront after the social." Felisa Rose Angela. I was like, "Oh yes, this is perfect." And then I moved that one away, and oh, there's mine, and it just says Felisa Rose. So <laughs> I didn't. <sighs> exactly so i didn't get the uh i didn't i didn't get the the cover special specially addressed to me uh with the quote but that's okay uh at the end of the day yours was the one that was most important so i'm glad that uh we were able to to get you the correct one and i think i ended up just selling mine at zia when i uh, sold off my physical collection because it wasn't addressed to me, so I didn't care. <laughs> and I thank you for that, that uh, that
1: that sacrifice that you made uh, all to all to make me uh, feel better. My my get well gift. Um, I'll never forget opening that, it, like because it meant so much to me that you would you you would do that for me. Uh, both being fans of Sleepaway Camp, um, and even my wife Lowry, she was just like. Wow, is that the girl who played Angela? And I was like, yes. she's like, how did he do that? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> and then I think you told me then that you told me right when I called you after I had opened it and you're like, yeah, uh, I sent I sent a, another copy so that I could get the exact same written for thing written for me <laughs> and she just wrote her name <laughs> she's ever autograph. I'm like, oh really <laughs> felt bad, but you know, it's it's amazing. It's a prized possession.
0: And, and mine was barely legible. Like it looked like she was running out of ink in her <laughs> permanent marker. So it was, it was like already faded.
1: She could not be bothered to write, meet me at the waterfront after the social twice. I mean, it's just not going to happen for her. I don't know if she was going through something at that time or whatever, but uh, Felissa Rose, if you're listening, thank you. Thank you for for uh, honoring Kurt's uh, Kurt's request and uh, uh, making it making it super
0: special for me and not him. <laughs> yes, Felicia Rose. Thank you. Uh, at least you sent it back, and and one of them was perfect. So yes, thank you so much. And it allows us to tell this cool story. Like uh, six years later. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's a it's a it's a
1: part of my. Uh, Uh, DVD collection for life probably the only DVD that I actually ever uh, take out and look at just because of the because of the uh, the
0: the cool the cool piece of memorabilia it is you need to frame it you need to put it in like a, a glass box that you can put on display on on your mantle yeah exactly like a little floating glass box so that
1: my kids can wonder what this strange movie is and why it's kept behind a glass box and one day when they're old enough, uh, you know, I'll watch it with them. Man, I can't wait. <laughs> yeah. And they either get to stay or they, or they get to, or, or they leave depending on if they liked it or not. Like, they get kicked out. <laughs> if You don't like it. See ya. Uh,
0: didn't make the cut. Yeah. Bye. <laughs> awesome. Well, Justin, it, it's been uh, a, a couple weeks. I know we've been planning this pretty much since I s- s- uploaded my first episode and our schedules didn't quite match up for a little bit. We've both been very busy, but we've both been able to reminisce uh, both on favorite movies, but also first first memory movies of going to the theaters, to horror, to uh, movie rental stores. I feel like a lot of nostalgia on this episode. So thank you. Lots of
1: nostalgia in this episode. Um, yeah, we're both you know, busy business guys of 2021 and, uh, but I'll, I'll always find the time to, uh, have a nice, have a nice movie chat. I love that.
0: Well, thank you. Hopefully the next one you're on will be uh, joined with Austin. We'll talk some coherence and, uh, maybe sleepaway camp if we can get him to watch it, but that would be super fun. Let's let's make that happen. Let's do it. So thank you guys so much. If you want to check us out on Instagram, you can find us at Mind Over Movie Podcast on Instagram, or uh, you can find me on Letterboxd, Curtis Gibson. Uh, every link is found in the details section on whichever podcast platform you use. So you can find uh, me on Instagram or Letterboxd. So hope you enjoyed the episode. I hope you guys all stay safe. We'll look forward to our next discussion. So thank you so much for listening to the Mind Over Movie Podcast. Hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. Bye-bye.